Warning! This episode of The Secret Cinema contains discussions of disturbing and adult content. So, heads up! Little girl, come on out of there. Come on. Old Juddy, he ain't gonna hurt you. No sirree, he won't. He got something for you. Look, look here. Come on out of there. Come look at what, what old Judd Dunn brought you. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. Look here. Yeah, little Welcome to The Secret Cinema, the podcast that dives deep in cinema's swamp. My name is Paolo Carone, my co-host is Carrie Chafee, and on today's episode we're joined by a very special guest, musician, actor, and The Secret Cinema's very own composer, Ricardo Ortiz, to discuss Toby Hooper's 1976 psychotronic horror nightmare, Eaten Alive. I don't have any notes, so here's Carrie with the plot summary. Picture this, you've just run away from home, You've joined a brothel, but now they have kicked you out for not putting out. Does a run-down hotel in an East Texas swamp sound like your best move? Well, Clara makes that mistake, and so do many others as the deranged hotel owner Judd feeds his guests to his large pet crocodile. Will someone finally take a bite out of Judd? Now, throughout this episode, you'll hear Carrie make the point that Eaten Alive could very easily be a silent film. Part of that is the straightforward, simplistic nature of the film's plot, but mostly it's because of the film's dialogue, which is equal parts nonsensical, forgettable, and pointless. In our only clip, you'll hear Roy, played by William Finley, arguing with his wife, Faye, played by Marilyn Burns. Their daughter's dog was eaten by a crocodile about ten minutes prior to this, but beyond that, there's no real context I can give to make Roy's dialogue make sense. So, here's that clip, and we'll see you on the other side for our discussion of Eaten Alive. Well, why don't you just take that cigarette and grind it out in my eye? <laughs> was that your eye? Oh, oh, honey, I thought it was an ashtray. Oh... Did I burn you? No, you didn't burn me. No, you just gouged my eye out. You just gouged my eye out. No, wait a second. <laughs> no, 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 you didn't do that. No, you didn't. Oh, you did. You did. There's a hole in my... Oh, you did. You gouged my eye out. Where is it? Oh, where, where is it? Where did you put it? Where did it roll to? Honey, honey, say, where did it roll to? Let's, let's, let's just take, take that eye and, and scratch it off! Now, Roy, Roy, I didn't say anything. And I didn't mean anything. And I don't know why you're being so ridiculous. Now, you just stop it! Okay, 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 okay. I'll stop it. Stop it. 
talking about eating alive today but we have a very special guest the third member of the secret cinema ricardo ortiz hello hey! ricardo welcome me uh, introduce yourself tell them tell the audience what's so special about our beloved composer ah uh, yes well <clears throat> i well besides the distinct honor of knowing you two um, <laughs> honors well, all ours um, but, uh, yeah, I've, uh, came across this title, um, uh, one time shopping at, uh, Encore Records in Ann Arbor, Michigan, and, uh, based on the cover art, which is a very crudely drawn, <laughs> uh, man wielding a scythe, uh, and a crocodile that looks like a very demented eighth grader drew, um, and the multiple titles was also another reason, and Robert England, yeah. uh, for <laughs> purchasing this, and it was a very eye-opening experience. Um, I've been doing a movie night for the last 10 years now. Wow, it's, pretty it's been crazy. 10 years? Yeah, it's called Monster Movie Monday every Monday. And, um, I'll head over to Ricardo. <laughs> <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, so whenever I come across something very unique and at times very traumatizing, <laughs> I like to share it with my friends so I don't have to suffer through it alone. Yeah, and we appreciate it. Yeah. <laughs> this movie stuck with me for a very long time after you introduced it to me. <laughs> yeah, I think I saw it for the first time at your house, but yeah. I think I slept through most of it. <laughs> Probably it's your advantage. It's uh, not the easiest of films. I to think take I woke in. up right as the bad guy at the end of the movie is getting eaten by the car. <laughs> Which bad guy? <laughs> it's no oh, good, good guys, I feel. And I met you at Monster Movie Monday, too. That's how we met. Sure. Oh, yeah. I feel like I'm, I started going to Monster Movie Monday back in, like, 2008. Ah, at least when we worked at the Michigan Theater. Yeah, together. yeah. And so it just, it's like, man, to really think that it's been that long. But it, I honestly, Monster Movie Monday is one of the key institutions of my <laughs> my film development. I've watched so many horror movies but, that I would have never watched otherwise. Like pieces, pieces. And, uh, <laughs> that one where the, the the European witch movie where the woman uh, gets like stoned to death and then drowned at the end. I can't remember <laughs> oh, what it's called. Yeah, <laughs> we watched that B movie too. Uh, not the B movie. <laughs> no, 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 not the B movie, but. Uh, the one about Killer Bees. Oh, Killer oh, yeah. Buzz. Killer Buzz. <laughs> was uh, gifted to me, um, yeah. amongst many of the other films I have, <laughs> which I have about 150 different horror movies. Just wow. Yeah. So. Nice. Okay, so what is your, what are, what are your feelings in just the broadest sense of Eaten Alive? Eaten Alive is one of those films that I feel I always forget how traumatizing it is. <laughs> I have, like, some recollection of it being... You know, I love the B-horror and, like, the cheesiness of it all, but there, there, I always think back and I'm like, oh, this is going to be a laugh riot with some of my friends while we sit around and uh, do various vices and watch this film. And then it's just the stark tone <laughs> right from the beginning that just doesn't relent. And, like, I feel like also the music has a lot to do with it. And yeah. I'm yeah, really the music's, like, one of the only great things for me about the movie. <laughs> It's grading, and it's, like, telling, and it, it creates a different level of tension, I feel. Oh, like yeah. Scenes. I agree with that. Uh, Carrie, what are your thoughts? You've seen this way less than we have. Yes. This was my third time seeing it. Uh, this is a movie that I don't think I would have seen if I didn't know both of you. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> and... It's also a movie I don't think I would have seen more than once if I didn't know both of you. Mm. <laughs> um... 
Not my favorite Toby Hooper movie. What would that be? I was looking up his movies. I mean, I uh, I forgot that he did Life Force. Yeah. I haven't seen that still. That's on my oh, list. Oh, man. Well, it's like, so great. Just not to just buy it. Yeah, <laughs> Life Force is awesome. Um, I really liked The Mangler. Yeah, The Mangler was it. pretty great. And I also really liked Spontaneous Combustion when we watched it. <laughs> All great titles, by the way. Well, in Spontaneous Combustion, the main character is Brad Dourif. And he is, he's uh, the guy in Lord of the Rings who's like the slimy, snaky oh, guy who, yes. who kind of, uh, oh man, I can't remember his character's name. Worm Tongue. Yeah! yeah he's, he's also in Dune. Yeah. yeah. And he's in, in One Green Flew Over the Shift. And, yes. yeah. yeah, and he's in uh, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh, yeah. And he's in Blue, Deadwood. And Blue Velvet. Yeah, he's great. Yeah, <laughs> he's, he's really awesome. Cool. But he is the guy who is causing people to spontaneously combust in awesome. that movie. It's really great. But he's alive. <laughs> so yeah, not my favorite Toby Hooper movie. Um, for me, this movie is, as Ricardo said, it's really traumatic. Um, but it's especially traumatic for all of the women in this movie. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, like, two men. Yeah, <laughs> two men. Well, and I was thinking about it, and, okay, so the, I counted. Five people die in this movie. Two of them are men, three of them are women. All of the women have at least, like, a half an hour of torture before they die. <laughs> and then the lucky ones. <laughs> yeah, and then, and then the two men who die, they just get like immediately eaten by crocodiles. <laughs> Ambushed and then eaten, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so for all the women, it's like the worst possible day of their life. For the men, it's like the worst 10 minutes of their life. <laughs> yeah. And those are the ones that die. There's other women in the film who just get tortured yeah. and just let go. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god, I can't imagine how that little girl grows up and is normal. She watched her dog get eaten by the crocodile, then her dad gets eaten by the crocodile, <laughs> then her mom gets like chained to a bed and duct tape over her mouth and she gets scythed in the leg. Mm. Would that be the correct verb? Scythe? scythe? I mean, scythe. you use the scythe. I mean, we sift. Because, I don't know, it's tough, because you, you wouldn't say someone got gunned in the face. <laughs> <laughs> or would you? I, mean, I don't know. Um, yeah, yeah, so for me, this, I, I, like I said, I don't think I would have seen this movie more than once if uh, I didn't love you guys so much. That's right. I own it. I don't think I've seen it more than yeah. two and we, a half times. <laughs> we, we now own two copies of it. Uh, because for this viewing, um, I had always been curious about this because I think I've seen this maybe like six times really? now. Oh. Yeah. And the first five times we watched it on your old DVD mm. copy, the copy mm. you got an Encore, and... It looks like it looks like a movie that you would find in a vault. <laughs> like it just looks so or grimy on the street, on the street oh, yeah. or just like wrapped. Like I've made this reference before, but like wrapped in gauze, <laughs> buried in the dirt. Like it just—it's so—it's so grimy, and and I really was curious if it would make any difference seeing it in Blu-ray. And so we, we sh I shelled out for the Blu-ray, and it looks so much better. It's like Stunning. ridiculous how good this movie <laughs> could actually look. But when it looks good, it just draws attention to how little sense or structure is in this movie at all. And every, I, every time I've seen it, I feel like I have like a little bit of like gut level revulsion to it, but I also feel a tot I have a totally different experience every time because there's so much different things to try to 
think about or notice or just like wonder why it's there or if it there is supposed to be symbols uh in certain weird things that stick out or if it's just like a weird choice oh, wow i didn't even think about symbols in yeah this movie. i like i mean I, I could be given a lot of credit but it's toby hooper does i mean like texas chainsaw massacre is supposed to be like a vegetarian movie like it's a movie about like how meat eaters are like Destroying these cruel the monsters because keep in mind it's like the, the meat eaters are the cannibals in Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Wow. And they're, the, the whole idea of the woman who's running away of being like an animal that's trying to escape these butchers who are going to turn her into meat. Well, like, and Eaten Alive was the movie he did after Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, just such a step down. It's so <laughs> weird. But still maintains that like rustic backwoods, yeah. like fear that I feel... Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't clearly say Texas, but if it was revealed that this took place in Texas, it wouldn't. It wouldn't change anything. <laughs> the experience. Well, but I think it is supposed to be set in Texas because the guy that it's loosely based off of, the serial killer, he's from Texas. Mm. Did do you know it was loosely based I, on something? I saw something about that. Could you elaborate? Yeah. So the this movie is loosely based on a real serial killer. Named Joe Ball. Yeah. And he actually, so he had like a hotel that he ran and he misunderstood the law and thought that if you couldn't find the body, then you couldn't be accused of murder. And so he did have, uh, he had like six crocodiles. And so he would just kill people and then throw them to his crocodiles and he thought because like, hey, there's no evidence and he could never be arrested. Um, yeah, that's not really how it works. Learn the hard way. But he, um... Did he, he scythe people as well? I don't know. They didn't say. But he <laughs> used to invite, like, crowds of people. He would charge them to come over to his house and watch him feed the his alligators. But he would use live cats and dogs as the bait. Ooh. Isn't that screwed up? Yeah. <laughs> like, explain he, the opening scene with the dog getting eaten. Yeah. 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 Oh, poor Snoopy. Yeah. <laughs> okay, Scuffy. Scuffy. Yeah. Snoopy, also known by his entertainment name, Scuffy. But um, credited in the end credits as just dog. Like <laughs> they forgot what they named him in the movie. Yeah. I bet what happened is they were like, "All right, little girl, what do you want to name the dog?" And she was like, "I like Charlie Brown, Snoopy." <laughs> Maybe whatever gets you through this movie, little girl. <laughs> yeah, talk about trauma. Anyway, that guy, Joe Ball, he, uh, finally, somebody admitted to helping him kill some women, because they, all of a sudden, his ex-girlfriends and wife started disappearing, and so they were like, oh, where did they go? So the police investigated, they got one of his cronies to confess, and they went to go arrest him, and when they went to arrest him, he shot himself in the heart wow. and committed suicide. So he literally shot through the heart. He was to blame. He was to blame. He gives love a bad name. <laughs> <laughs> and a lot of things a bad yeah, name. Yeah, it's a long list there. Yeah. So yeah, based on a real guy. And I would say a lot of that stuff was in the movie, except for the, the gun part. The getting shot through the heart. Yeah, yeah, only the crazed out dad would have a gun. Oh, I guess the cop. 
Yeah. But the cops barely in the movie. Yeah. yeah. This isn't really a guns movie. They no. really they, they 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 show up for a few a few moments here and there, but yeah, it's it's all about scythes and yeah. teeth and sharp things. And the other crazy <laughs> thing is this movie was entirely shot indoors. Yeah. Yeah. It was shot on a uh, a soundstage. And really blatantly too. Like it's and and it wouldn't oh, be. I think it looks all right. I don't know. To me, it's really blatant because of things like. Red outdoor light yeah. at night, things <laughs> <Harsh laughs> like that, or or like uh, just I don't, just it's so especially weird because so much of it is set outdoors. Like mm. I mean, there's a lot of yeah. indoor stuff, but there is like every single scene with the crocodile is outdoors, <laughs> and there's so many scenes of cars arriving at the hotel, which is like no, I think it's like five scenes where a car pulls up to the hotel, and 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 of those five times, it's like two of them are repeats of like people pulling in again uh but yeah it's it just well, and like why are they pulling up to the hotel there's not even a main road to get to the hotel right? yeah it's, it's <laughs> and it said that uh near the hotel there's a zoo so why wouldn't they just go to the i think i thought the zoo was at the hotel i thought that was, was the monkey oh. and the monkey that yeah. died oh yeah. man zoo is a loosely used yeah. word of the yeah <laughs> Well, and I also found out this movie was only cost half a million dollars to make. That's pretty good for shooting on a soundstage. Yeah. But it was in the 70s, so. Yeah, so, just, but still, it. even still, like, they definitely had to build those sets. Those, those are a hotel leftover from something else. It was, it looked really gross in a, a fairly believable way. Like, mm. to, like, the water damage, and you point out, like, the poop oh. street toilet. Oh, so nasty. <laughs> so nasty. Oh, man. Yeah, all the water damage is not yeah, totally Lots of water good. damage, yeah. Real. They must have half-built it, and then they were like, yeah, good enough. <laughs> yeah. This looks good. <laughs> well, they said it was also the same soundstage they used to sh uh, shoot the opening for Sunset Boulevard, where he's floating. Huh. Yeah, yeah, the pool they use is the same pool that William Holden is floating in at the beginning of Sunset Boulevard. Oh, weird. Isn't okay, weird? wow. Yeah. Actually, Toby Hooper said that. Yeah. Toby Hooper said because, that. Because uh, he also said, right before we watched the movie, I hope you like the colors. <laughs> a 20 second intro to yeah. a movie. Like, even even he couldn't really have, he had no personal story or anything, just like, ah, eh, it's nothing just, to give. Believe it or not, <laughs> here's a Blu-ray of Eat Alive. <laughs> yeah, he's 73. Yeah, he's getting old. He's kicking it still. Yeah. It's the drugs. But, he, but he hasn't made a movie in quite a while. Yeah, he's he he is a steady downward uh, progression since the 70s. <laughs> Do you think him and Steven Spielberg still stay in touch? I don't know why. I don't know why Steven Spielberg would uh, be like, hey, you want to do Poltergeist 4, Toby? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I also found out that Toby Uber directed Dancing With Myself by Billy Idol. Really? The music video. <laughs> the music video. Yeah! Now I have to see that. I don't think, yeah. I ever I don't think I've ever watched it either, but it's dark. I gotta watch it now. I know that song. Yeah, it's a great song. Who doesn't know yeah. that song? I feel like it'd take a really dark twist with it. <laughs> <laughs> we just watched Wedding Singer, so now I have to watch it. With Billy Idol. Billy Idol. Alright, well, one thing, we might as well just jump right into the beginning of the movie, because it's, as soon as it starts, there's stuff to oh, talk about. Yeah. The very first line of the movie is, names Buck, 
I'm raring to fuck, mm-hmm. which anyone who watches movies should recognize as the clear inspiration for My Name's Buck and I Came Here to Fuck from Kill Bill. So, of course, Quentin Tarantino <laughs> likes this movie. This is exactly, I mean, right there, listener, if you need to know the type of movie this is, this is the type of thing that Quentin Tarantino loves. It is very grimy and very weird. <laughs> very, <laughs> very abnormal. <laughs> but, uh, well, okay, so. The opening... What? And the person who says that is Robert England. Yeah, it's Robert England. England. Freddy. Freddy Kruger. Yes. And isn't he in The Mangler? I don't know. Maybe. Oh, yeah, because he's the old... He's like the old one-eyed boss or whatever. Oh, yeah! yeah. He walks with a cane. So they're buddies. But, um... <laughs> so what was the prostitute's name? Do we ever... Clara. Clara. Okay. So there's this prostitute... Let me clarify that for Oh, there. I see what you did there. I see what you did. There's a prostitute named Clara, and... But she's not really a prostitute. Yeah, it's like... She's a little runaway. It's like we're seeing her, her like, first commission, I guess, uh, is, like, Robert England. <laughs> that was really a nice way to say <laughs> yeah. And uh, Robert England, he, he wants to fuck her, and he she looks terrified from the start, and then he... Hemmel- and she says things like... Let's just get this over with. Yeah. <laughs> Things at all. <laughs> Every guy wants to hear yeah. it. And it's, it's called pillow talk. <laughs> it's just pillow talk, baby. Uh, so Buck Buck wants to fuck Clara in the ass, and she yeah. loses it, and it quickly turns into something that is basically a proto rape scene. Mm. Like very like we're moments away from it being a rape scene when a mysterious green-faced old woman <laughs> named Hattie, uh, wearing a bingo visor, yeah. runs into the room. And Hattie is, like, ahead of this brothel. But she looks like she just walked out of a retirement community. Yeah, she looks like she walked out of a retirement community, but, like... With a skin mask on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so, somebody put way too much green concealer around her face. And she had, like, that, like, pickling effect around her mouth, where it, like... It was like the makeup was cracking, but it didn't didn't look like it like separated. It just looked like her face was like melting around. <laughs> That's um, where the Blu-ray works again. Yeah, there the, we go. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but actually, I was surprised this is a detour. But I feel like the Blu-ray made the crocodile look better. Definitely, which I, I was surprised because it kind of looked shitty in the normal version, and I don't know why. I, like it wasn't like there was extra footage. <laughs> All the people get downgraded, but the crocodile gets elevated. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. <laughs> The pink mouth the, was a little... Yeah, it was a, a really pink. It's kind of like Muppet mouth. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, they didn't even think like, oh, when an alligator or crocodile opens its mouth, it's not pink. It's just not just pink with no teeth. <laughs> right. <laughs> By the way, did you know that the woman who plays the brothel runner, uh, skin face lady, she's the original Morticia from the Addams Family? No! Yeah. yeah, she was in a ton of stuff. Wow. But she, she died kind of young. Lots of weird little cameos in this. I saw there was like cameos in the credits, but I was like, I don't know who any of these people are. They're all like old TV actors. Oh, okay. Like the little girl who's in this movie, yeah. which I found out she grew up to be a real housewife of Beverly Hills. Nice. But uh, she was on Little House on the Prairie when she was younger, and they had a bunch of TV people like that in this, in this movie. Uh, Marilyn Burns, the mom. Yeah. She's from a bunch of stuff. Yeah, she's yeah. in. She's a horror movie actress because mm-hmm. I think she's also in. Well, yeah, she's also in Texas Chainsaw. Oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, she's the main girl in the car, right? Yeah. yeah. 
Uh, okay, so back to this girl who's almost gonna get butt raped. So she she gets she gets <laughs> way with words. She gets released from her contract, and she is tipped off by Hattie to go uh, down the road. There is a hotel. And cut to her walking through <laughs> thick woods. Yeah, oh, no, by you. Yeah, like, no, wearing no shoes. No shoes. Uh, wearing, basically just protected by her wig and whatever her like weird night sixteen hundreds like green corset thing that she's wearing. <laughs> yeah. her, her bizarre outfit. Bustier. And she ends up at the Starlight uh, Hotel Motel. Starlight Hotel. Holiday Inn. Which one is it? It's it's the Starlight Hotel. Hotel. She ends up there, and that's where the bulk of the action in the movie takes place. Uh, so uh, this this. Okay, pretty much right away, the movie just reveals itself to have, like, no screenplay whatsoever. <laughs> and the key thing that happens for me is that she shows up, and she more or less doesn't say anything as she comes in and signs it, her name in the book. Which and the door is just opened by a shadow. Yeah. <laughs> and the motel owner, whose name is Judd, he he's there, he says some stuff, but he doesn't really... Doesn't he kind of look like Eric Roberts in a wig? Yeah. <laughs> But he, he, he doesn't really say much. There's not really, a, like, a scene of dialogue. He doesn't try to play it normal. Uh, she doesn't really do anything. It just If like, anything, he plays it with surprise, where he's like, you want to rent a room? But then he's, like, weird, like, sexual. Like, he starts licking the pencil he gives yeah. to her. But not just, like, yeah. a little lick. He, like, sucks on her for, like, a minute. And then, like, gently and sensually caress, moves her hand over, like... And it gets really... Ugh, yeah, but it's... But it's, it's weird in a way where it's not like, uh-oh, something's wrong about this place. It's like, no, something's blatantly wrong about this place. Like, <laughs> Why are you staying here? Like, how yeah, is this happening? She should have turned around. But, so she, he starts to lead her up to her room, and in a normal movie, we'd have a scene where he would be like, where are you coming from? And she would be like, well, I was just down the road, and he'd be like, down the road? You weren't at... Miss Hattie's were you, dun, and then dun, dun. and then he finds out she's a prostitute, and he kills her because she's a prostitute in this movie. But there's not even like a setup where she says something, and he's like, "Oh, this changes everything." He just out of nowhere is like, "Wait a second, are you from Miss Hattie's?" And then attacks, <laughs> <laughs> then attacks and kills her. Yeah, for that. he like rubs up on her, and then he throws her down the stairs. And throws yeah. her down the stairs, and then she gets outside, and. Uh, what, we couldn't decide. Was it a hoe or a rake that he is? I think it's a hoe. I think it's, I want to say sharp hoe. Yeah, yeah. It was some sharp gardening tool. Probably a hoe. It's hard to say because they don't really show contact. It, but he, she lays against. She gets caught against the fence outside, and he hoes her to death. <laughs> and then he pushes her body into the pit. Uh, the the pool where the croc is, the croc eats her. But that's it. Like there's no. And that's the first fifteen minutes of the movie. Yeah. Is that woman just being tortured nonstop? The, no, no natural setup to this. No suspense. That's okay. And that's really the key thing that I noticed this time mm. is that there is no suspense in this movie ever. And it doesn't seem like they even tried to put suspense. It just veers back and forth between like occasional moments where nothing bad is going to happen and then scenes where like it starts creepy and weird and just kind of stays at this like constant creepy weird loud chaotic t 
tone, and uh, and so like nothing. They never try to like sneak these deaths up on you. You just like okay, this is th- definitely this, happening. This guy's alone. Okay, he's looking at the crock pit. He is going to be in the crock pit. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the place. And so what we described for the movie of like that opening scene is kind of what the remainder of the movie is. Every time someone dies, it's like uh, the owner of the motel, Judd, turns against them and then tortures them or just kills them and then their body ends up being eaten by the crocodile or he tortures them and traps them in a place where they continue to be tortured or they continue to scream for the remainder of the movie (laughs) yeah it's uh yeah it's really weird i was trying to think of like is like a lack of suspense something that would make this like an exploitation movie Hmm. or that's just like the point of it is just to see the it violence in the... It did feel like an exploitation Yeah, just with the amount of boobies. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah lots Comically of random boobies. <laughs> I'm glad we're sticking with boobies. Boobies, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the other thing, is every woman in this movie who gets tortured to death also has to have her boobs out. That's true. There's only one woman who survives who hides her boobs, and it's probably because she's cast as a mother. Yeah. yeah. So. But even still, she's still in she's like in a, yeah, the she's in like a nightie, up. yeah, and she's tied to a bed, and her thigh, her like upper thigh, gets cut with the sight. I'm sure somebody got off to that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sickos, we know you're out there. <laughs> we do know they're out there. Well, and also, and just this is an overall thing uh, that I might as well bring up now because it comes up early. Is the the crazy lighting? I kind of mentioned mm. before the hard red outdoor lighting. But it's not even, like, every time we see outdoors it's hard red. Sometimes it'll be, like, vaguely nighttime with, like, this ambiguous white light over everything. But then other times it'll be just, like, doused in red light. Yeah. And, um, like, under when there, there are scenes under the, uh, the house where the girl's crawling around down there where there's, like spotlight shining in from every direction and it's it's not like a thing where it's like oh the lighting is just crappy and they didn't know it's like i genuinely have no idea what they were going for they were going for something with the lighting and and uh toby hooper said in that one featurette you guys were playing he's like it's like a surreal uh fairy tale but it's like uh yeah but uh it, it doesn't really create like a fairy tale world it's kind of I don't know, it's closer to, like, what I'd imagine being in an oven looks like. Do you think maybe he, uh, well, because William uh, Finley's in this movie. Is that his last name? Yeah, yeah. William Finley. And maybe, and I bet he got connected through Brian De Palma. Do you think Mm. Brian De Palma was like, oh, Toby, you should use a lot of red lighting for this. (laughs) Yeah, are they buddies? It seems like... They might be. Yeah, I don't know. De Palma knows, like weirder people it's like i know john carpenter and toby hooper knew each other but it's finley's a pretty weird dude yeah though. and like his role in this movie especially exemplifies <laughs> it makes that. no sense yeah do you want to no do you want to get into like his stuff in yeah. this movie? so like for those who don't know finley um also is in a another cult hit called phantom of the paradise a great yeah. movie really great movie amazing film and um I would say almost like a similar role in that he's just <laughs> mad. But like, so when the family first comes, the dog hops out of the car, ultimately gets eaten, and then all hell breaks loose. Like, the child gets to see it, and the mother is trying to console the, 
the child and the dad's trying to do console them, I think, and then they all get up into the room, and then the daughter's crying hysterically, and the mom's popping pills, and then the dad's like questioning his own manhood somehow, and it's like I did all I could, and is like freaking out, and then like does this weird fist at the woman, and like it like. Pointing his fist like he's gonna hit her, but then is like crying and screaming at her. It's almost like he's not in control of his fist and he's like fighting to pull it back. It's like a Doctor Strange love moment. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And she's that like, what are you doing? She's just like staring silently at him. Um, But yeah, there's just like the family is just so loosely held together by this family dog, apparently, <laughs> that when that's gone, everything is gone. And See, the only member of the family they all could agree on. <laughs> <laughs> the Aww. Poor um, Snoopy. So yeah, he that just shot really where the, shit. Yeah, the shot where they, uh, the dog gets eaten, as much as I hate to say it, is a pretty good shot. <laughs> yeah, <it's> so Because <laughs> like, the dog is like walking into the crocodile's mouth, cut to the girl going like, ah, and backing away from the fence, and then like, the dog being... It cr- looks like he's swimming inside <laughs> of the crocodile. It looks like what they shot was they put the real dog in the water and then had like, like the equivalent of like a crocodile muppet just like <laughs> on the dog so that the dog is swimming and they're just holding it in place. It's like, like, struggle, you know? Yeah, because you have that moment where you're like, no, dog, no, I don't want you to get eaten. <laughs> and you're, you're right there with the little girl. Well, and the dog too, it's like, uh, it happens right after the monkey dies. And the really weird thing about that monkey oh, yeah. is that I never, I, I kind of vaguely remembered the monkey dying from all the other times watching this, but I never really appreciated that the monkey just dies for no, no clear reason, reason at all. Like, digging in its bowl a little bit, so I thought maybe it starved to death, because yeah. it's, like, looking for something, but then it just slowly, like, just dies. It sleeps, and then, like, the girl's like, Mommy, the monkey's dead, and nothing comes out. It just does not matter at all. It's, like, a, another they thing. They should have at least had the monkey get killed by the crocodile. Or, like, they throw the monkey to feed the crocodile, that which yes. makes it hungry for more or something. I was waiting for that. <laughs> yeah. But so, uh, with William Finley, um, he decides that he's going to, because that he needs to reclaim his masculinity, he's going to shoot the crocodile with uh, his shotgun that he has. And where are they? Are they on vacation, or are they just... They don't ever explain that. <laughs> yeah, they're just... The and, family... they, and they just drive up out of the blue, too. Yeah. yeah. They're one of those car scenes where you see them drive just, up, yeah. and they all get out. And it, that was another thing, too, is like... Would if I, I I couldn't really I can't really relate to this predicament and maybe you guys can but if you went to a hotel and as soon as you got to the hotel your pet was murdered by another animal would you immediately check into that hotel? No. <laughs> no. It's like yeah I guess we'll stay here tonight. <laughs> Just stay and scream. Ah! I don't think that. Oh, no, I won't make that joke. Yeah, I was thinking it, too. Oh, <laughs> oh, no. Everyone listening, you know what joke we have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the two together. Too soon. But so, William Finley goes to shoot the crocodile, and Judd's saying something. And, uh, and then eventually Judd grabs... He a... says something about a uniform. He Okay. Oh, that's I... his PTSD, I think. I was going to oh, say, yeah. somebody in this movie has PTSD. Well, they didn't, I mean, we didn't talk about it, but when, uh, after he kills the first woman, he goes back to his room, and then he's got 
you know, the Nazi flag on the ground yeah. next to the American flag, and he's got guns along the wall. Is that that mannequin woman? That mannequin woman. <laughs> and I don't know if you noticed, there's all these women's clothing in yeah. the background. Yeah. Oh, I didn't yeah. notice that. And he's yeah. just hanging out there in this red room, you know, with the red sheets and everything yeah. else. And there's and, and besides like the Nazi the Nazi flag, there's a couple times or at least one time where he says the N-word, like right mm. away. Like five, I think it's like five minutes into the movie. He says it, so it's like right away you know he's like a bad guy. And um but other than that, like I was I I know it doesn't really seem like anything Judd says at any point in the movie matters or has any effect on anything at all. I was thinking this movie probably could have been a silent movie. Yeah, and it <laughs> yeah actually, it, if it was a silent movie, it'd be it'd be very close to being like a Dario Argento movie, uh, especially if it kept the same music that was in there, yeah. like that creepy narrative about the guy killing his wife's brother because they yeah. thought they were sleeping together or something? Yeah. All the music actually would have been way more effective if we were trying to guess a lot more because it it was it was good and atmospheric and I did like the times where like the music like there's a later scene where they keep turning up the stereo because more and more people are screaming <laughs> and stuff like that. It was like, like all women, right? Yeah, three yeah. different women in three different rooms. <laughs> it was like I yeah, the music I feel like the music was just like better than the movie it ended Definitely. up in. Yeah, like, like, or Toby Hooper composed it, and it seemed like he just really wanted to compose the music and didn't care so <laughs> he much. He made a movie around the music. <laughs> yeah. But, okay, so, William Finley, uh, he gets, uh, the, Judd grabs a scythe that is, of course, right next to the front door of the hotel. <laughs> Where um, I keep my scythe. Yeah. And, Which, um, why does he have a scythe? Because there's nothing in his yard that he <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he has a zoo and woods. <laughs> Texas, next to a swamp. Like, yeah. what is this side thing? Again, not sure if that's the right verb. Yeah, it's so good. Go. Uh, but he kills William Finley. Well, he stabs William Finley, and William Finley is about to get like the final blow of the scythe, and the crocodile jumps up through the fence and pulls him screaming into the pond where he eats him in one of the few yeah, genuinely bre- awesome movie- moments of the movie. Yeah, that's a really great death. Well, and he breaks the porch. Yeah. yeah. And the porch stays broken for the rest of the movie, and people who who were there earlier that same <laughs> night don't <laughs> notice. Never question it. <laughs> oh, the railing leading to the crock pen is broken. And even though there's no like, like he does clearly, Jeb cleans up some of the blood. They never show it, but it's like I'll give the movie the benefit of the doubt. And presumably <laughs> cleans it up. There's still like visually blood on the on the porch where the porch is broken. <laughs> Same with those people's car. Yeah. You know? Whatever happened to that? Yeah. It's gone. It's like, yeah, like, people keep showing up this empty hotel with cars parked in the parking lot. The girl, the little girl tries to get back in the car at some point because she's screaming like, Daddy, Daddy. And she tries to open it, but it's locked. And that's when she runs. <laughs> they locked their they car. They locked their car. And that's when but she. But not the bathroom door. No. Oh my gosh. Well, yeah. The, yeah, the little girl ends up under the house eventually. And which of you pointed out the thing about their legs? Oh, yeah. I think um, we all noticed. We all noticed. I, yeah, the little girl has, like, a brace on one of her legs. Yeah. And then uh, Judd, the main man, has a uh, leg, which is missing, which he says originally is shot off in the war, but then we later come to find out that it was eaten by the crocodile. Yeah. And so there's, when he's chasing the little girl, there's this weird bit of, like, continuity between them where they're both, like, limping on one leg, which, I, again, is like, did is that intentional? They don't really pay it off or anything. It's just, like, a did funny moment. Did they explain moment. why the girl has a brace? No, and actually, like, I think you said, too, like, 
uh, neither of us noticed this all of the other times we watched this movie. We could only tell when we saw it in Blu-ray that she had a <laughs> This looked like a tall sock. Yeah. Or we just thought she ran weird. <laughs> well, another thing, too, we keep trying to figure out, like, where exactly this hotel is in relation to the road or other mm-hmm. buildings, because everybody seems to die outdoors in front, like, yeah. right where cars pull up. And conveniently, nobody ever pulls up when someone's getting murdered, but people do just keep showing up out of the blue, and this guy is just, like, comfortably murdering, so no one is close enough to hear the screams, but also Clara is close enough where she can just wander directly through the bayou (laughs) to this place. So, like, it just seems to, like, be in just, like, whatever dimension the island from Lost is in, where it just, like... It's moving. It's constantly moving. It's Yeah. Yeah, so after William Finley dies, his wife, Marilyn Burns' character, which, what was her name? Do you remember? The daughter's name is Angie. So Angie, she runs away, uh, or actually, I'm getting ahead of myself. So the mom, she decides while her husband is shooting the alligator that she's going to take a shower. <laughs> or was it a bath? I couldn't tell. She uh, she seemed unsure yeah. as well. She's ready to get in with all her clothes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and she kept the shower curtain in the shower, but she was running a bath. So that's why I was like, I'm not sure if she just like standing and beats a feet of water while she takes a shower or what but okay so anyway she's slowly very slowly getting undressed she takes off her skirt then she takes off her shirt but she's wearing like this nightgown underneath both and she gets in the bath with the nightgown on and then judd the hotel owner slash crocodile owner he walks into the bathroom and is like, hey, what are you doing in yeah. here? And then attacks her. And then attacks her. He rips the shower curtain off, wraps her in the shower curtain. Did he have rope in his yeah, pocket? Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, he's always prepared. So he starts wrapping the rope around her hands. And he's like punching the shower curtain and like back and forth. Yeah. Like- and so that's when the little girl, she starts hearing her mom scream. She runs, sees her mom getting beaten up. She wakes up and just starts screaming. I noticed <laughs> that. Just, for no reason. She's like, ah! Something bad is happening. I don't know why. Well, the best part I noticed was she screams when she sees her mom getting, be- getting beaten. So then she runs under the house. And she sees a rat under the house. And she, <laughs> she screams again, like, the exact same but way. Right before that, she sees the crocodile and screams. And so when the rat happens, it's like, come on. You should be... Yeah, this is the least bad thing you've seen. I was waiting for her after that to see a spider. And be like, ah! <laughs> or, like, her dead dad's body. Or, like, her shoe gets caught on a piece of junk. And like, ah! <laughs> So she's now hiding under the house, and she screams intermittently throughout the rest of the movie, basically. (laughs) (laughs) And Judd kidnaps her mom and ties her up to a bed while she's still in her little nightgown. Who removes a wig she was wearing for no reason before getting into the Yeah! What the hell Yeah, jumping back a little bit. uh, So Clara... The character of Clara does not appear to be wearing a wig, but the actress oh, sure as hell is wearing a wig. <laughs> this, it's like it's like a blonde uh, orphan Annie wig. Like it's, yeah. it's like just big, curly, yeah. Very like fake. <laughs> yeah, blatantly fake. Defies hair, <laughs> gravity, logic. I just it's, it's so weird. And yeah. then the wife is wearing, it's like the brunette She's wearing version. like a brunette wig, but it has like frosted tips. <laughs> Was it you the same that? wig, but just dyed? 
Maybe. Could have been. I wouldn't be a bad... I would... Uh, yeah, that seems like it would be the case. But, it, so yeah, when the all of them get into the hotel room after they... Uh, after the dog dies... Uh, William Finley is having his freak out and he's sitting in this like comically small armchair <laughs> while he's doing it. Like he's a really tall man, but it's an unnecessarily small chair anyway. It's made for the child. Yeah. And the little girl is crying in bed and the mom is like covered in dirt and is like cleaning herself and she goes to the mirror and pulls off her wig to reveal like long blonde hair. And like perfectly fine hair. And nothing is... Hair said, that like, any woman would be happy to have. And so again, like what what is this family? Blonde like hair. is it like, is she if, if it's... Maybe there's a scene cut out where they are all running from the law. Mm. And her husband is like running because he's suffering from PTSD but, as well, or something. That would imply a plot. Oh, yeah, sure. We yeah. know that this movie does not have a plot. This movie's just like Black Moon, where there's no plot. This movie, it, it reminded me of, like, it made me think, was there, like, a distributor or the producer of this movie was like, we'll release your movie, but it's gotta be under a, an hour and a half long. No extra dialogue. And they came in and were like, all right, we got this movie, but there's a few scenes that we need because it sets up all the violence. We're like, just the violence. Get rid of that. Like, there's a lot of stuff that is blatantly unexplained. And, and uh, it, especially like how rapidly the movie ends too. I feel like there's probably loose ends that we just didn't even have time to realize were tied up. It's just how abruptly it comes to an end. But uh, okay. So the little girl's hiding. The mom's tied to the bed. Then another seemingly plot line <laughs> starts to happen where Clara's. Uh, sister and dad show yeah, up at the hotel. And the sister is Libby, and the dad is Harvey. And their oh, last wow, name, you caught their, their last name is Wood. Yeah, I caught it just because the the when they go to when they talk to Hattie with the police, they have to get introduced. And so uh, I was like, all right, the name. This is one of the only times I heard a name during the <laughs> Good movie. Good job. <laughs> Names so they, are very scarce in this movie. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it really don't matter. So they talk to Judd. Judd's like, I've never seen that girl. I don't. Uh, she's a prostitute. Yeah. He, I haven't seen that prostitute before. Yeah. Wait, what? She's yeah, a prostitute? Yeah, oh, uh, yeah. So they g decide they're going to go talk to the sheriff, the, the dad and the sister. And so they talk to the sheriff. The sheriff's like, you think I don't know what's going on in my home, own town? Let's go to this brothel and find out together. <laughs> so they go talk to Skin Face again. Oh, yeah, Miss Hadley, who apparently is best friends with the sheriff. Yeah. Also, Did you know she tries to sell them some land? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, and also, the thing I noticed, too, from that scene is she gives no new information. That scene adds nothing to the movie <laughs> yeah. at all. Like, literally except, nothing. Except they can cross it off the list. They yeah. talk to her. They talk to her, and then they're like, I, they use this, like, okay, well, he's gonna go here, but she's gonna go here. And that's, like, that's as close of a justification yeah, as Yeah, so after they talk to the, uh... Skin face. I'm just going to call her skin face. So after they talk to skin face, the daughter and the sheriff go to the bar, and the dad goes back to the hotel, which, guess what happens? <laughs> and I, I can't remember why the dad gets provoked. Well, what, what happens is he goes in. I, I don't think he makes it all the way to a room, but he's mm -hmm. in the lobby of the hotel. Like, it's like the living room. Hotel. Like it's clearly an old house, um, but he's in there and he hears the little girl screaming because oh, she's just like yeah. crawling and yelling, "Help me!" 
Like, help me! And then it cuts to her just, like, scurrying along underneath. And so he goes outside, and he's, like, standing in the driveway, looking just down. Just kind of standing and trying to see where the voice is coming from. Judd comes outside, has the scythe again, and there's this... (laughs) Oh, so good. This slow-motion shot of Judd swinging the scythe down... And in what any other movie would be a decapitation scene, <laughs> <laughs> somehow he lodges the full scythe blade through Harvey's throat in a way where the, his throat holds the scythe up. Yeah, his head's still on. <laughs> and he's like, oh, he's dead. Slowest death scene, though, ever. It takes about ten minutes for him to die. And he still has to find a way to walk upstairs and then fall <laughs> into the water. But, oh, but Judd, of course, and as he's falling in, Judd has to, like, work the scythe out of his throat because he can't, how else could he get the scythe back? Oh, man. I was like, like, why does he just let the owl, the crocodile eat the body off of the scythe, like, and then rinse it off? But or yeah. why doesn't he try to jiggle the scythe through the rest of the guy's neck? Well, that's what he does because yeah. he eventually like he oh, goes he whoop and pulls it out, and then the body gets dragged away. Yeah. So it worked out, but yeah, it seemed it seemed a bit much. Yeah. So uh, dad number two is dead. R.I.P. Dad number two. All right, and really quickly before we get to the end, just two things that kind of relate to the part we're talking about. Um, because Jed more or less kills people either because of, like, some sort of vague sexual thing, like, where he's like, you're a woman, ah, or, or like, uh, he, they, someone's witnessing something that's like, oh, he's doing something and I can't let him do this, so I gotta kill him. Why doesn't he just kill the woman he ties up? I feel like there was some sort of competition between him and Buck, like, Mm -hmm. who's apparently his son in the film. And, like, he talks, he's, like, goes there and, like, brags about all the girls he's been with. He's like, I know what that's all about. And then, like, he's, like, flaunting this girl he brings back. Yeah. And there's, I feel like there's this competition of, like, who can outdo who or have more sex than the other. And, okay. That is a good question. Why doesn't he kill her? And did we ever, did either of you hear a specific line that confirmed whether or not Buck was his son? Buck was Judd's son? I feel like there was, he calls him his old man at one point. Yeah. But that's the thing is also Harvey calls him old man. Mm. And Harvey is older than Judd, it looks like. Man. Yeah, I don't know. Because it really did. It would have made so much more sense if Buck was Judd's son. Especially because, like you guys point out, he comes to the hotel multiple times mm-hmm. and he's not wanted there and is, like, like actively threatened when he shows up. So it's like, if he had a house or anywhere else to be, yeah, suppo- he would go there. He's supposedly from that area, so why isn't he bringing all the ladies to his house <clears throat> instead of this hotel where yeah. his dad lives? I get the sense he didn't really have a place to live. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He just stayed at the bar or until he got kicked out. <laughs> Or the brothel. He's probably brothel bar, messing with Judd, and then did goes you, back. Did you notice that Buck, again, tried to have anal sex? Yeah. yeah. He, like, flipped her butt That's over. He's like, this That's is the thing. best way. It's like, yeah. yeah, it's just, like, very... And she clearly didn't want it again. Well, Lynette didn't seem to care, really, either way. She was like, no. She was like, Buck, what are you doing? When he pulled her underwear off. But I, it wasn't like, a, like, it wasn't like Clara's, no! No! Not there! Not there anywhere but there! I won't do it for twenty dollars. I won't do it for any money. It was, it was, it was, it was, it was very much like, oh, like it was very, very ginger. But um, okay. So trying to get back to the plot, another thing I kind of want to talk about is 
the, like I said before, there's like these wild veers in tone between just like hellish nightmare and just people doing nothing <laughs> in very innocuous <laughs> circumstances. And sometimes it would literally cut directly between those two things to really show how blatant it was. And the two funniest ones I thought of, kind of leading back into where we are, first was one of the scenes, I think it's when uh, the little girl is under the house, she screams at the rat, and it's like after she runs she runs away from her mom being attacked, she runs away from the crocodile, and she's screaming, hiding from a murderer. She's like, ah! And it cuts to a man filling out paperwork. <laughs> 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 and a, a shot slowly pulls out to reveal an overweight cop quietly filling out paperwork in an inactive sheriff's department. Like, yeah, this movie's transitions were almost as good as frequencies. Yeah, but just didn't have the great, like, fade effects and yeah. stuff like that. But then the other one was, um, I think, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure it's it's Harvey's murder, but yeah, it's maybe, I, may, I could be wrong, but someone gets murdered, I think it's Harvey, and then it immediately cuts to the, the bar. Where there's just like a bunch of people drinking and smiling in the bar. And there's that blatant Miller Lite bottle right in front of the camera. The weird, seemingly product placement. And it just is like, I we ha besides Buck... It's the old man. It's what's-her-name's uh, father. Oh, oh uh, yeah. So Harvey. After, right after Harvey dies, it's like this crazy scene where we just watch Scythe go through his throat and blood is everywhere and he gets eaten by a gator. Cut to a bunch of people hanging out in a bar. And uh, Buck is playing pool with some girl that we've never seen before. And she's like... Blatantly, just like showing off her ass to all the guys at the bar, yeah. and there's like this other guy who seems to be a friend of Buck, who is like Carrie said, looks like Jeremy Davies, who is just like uh, gets really aggressive with this nerdy looking cowboy who yeah. is at the bar. Uh, but again, it's like a bunch of stuff that doesn't really, uh, besides Buck existing, well, that, none of this matters. Yeah, that fight doesn't pay off. Yeah, yeah, and then Buck gets in trouble for that, even though he wasn't really doing anything. Yeah. Honestly. And well, and he he also gets in trouble because the girl is apparently too young to be drinking. <laughs> yeah, oh, so, she is. Yeah, somebody yeah. says like I don't think that's a coke in her hands, and that's like part of why they have to leave. But yeah, they're really not causing trouble or doing yeah. anything. Like he's actually being. It's like the nicest buckets in the yeah. whole movie. <laughs> but okay, so after Harvey gets killed, now that we're back in the bar, Buck ends up heading to the hotel. And Buck was there very briefly in the beginning, but so Buck is back. And Buck brings Lynette. And Buck is back. And Judd, of course, does not want Buck there and yells at him, but Buck and Lynette don't give a shit at all. But the, like, especially Lynette, we don't know. So, uh, presumably Lynette has never been here before. Uh, it very much seems like Bud... Buck picked her up. It's not his girlfriend or anything. I would I have to assume because he was at the brothel hours before this. Uh, but he's with Lynette and Lynette is okay going to this like crazy ass hotel in the middle of nowhere where the owner is like actively threatening them for showing up. They go into a room and they have like their very bizarre sex scene where each of them undress separately while looking into the mirror in the room. And uh, as, this, as, as their scene starts and Lynette starts like moaning as he like as Robert England cups her breast and like is that close up of her extreme close up of her breast. Well, and he does that weird back massage. He's like, yeah, he's rubbing his hands, just not even like rubbing her muscles, just like dragging his fingers down her back and then pulls her underwear <laughs> off. Which in the next shot, the underwear is back on. Uh, but um, so she's moaning, and then it cuts to 
the wife who is chained upstairs into the bed, and she's like, rrr, rrr, and like yelling and through muffled, and she's shaking the bed. And then it cuts to the little girl who's under the house screaming, and then it cuts back to Judd who's like covering his ears as and women listening to country music. Listening to country music as women moan from every direction around him, and he keeps turning up the music, and then the, they keep cutting back to all three women <laughs> over and over again. It's so weird. What? What's the deep symbolism of that scene? See, okay, I think I have a theory of this, is that, um, uh, yeah, Judd was originally kicked out of the prostitute house because of his voyeuristic ways, and I feel like there was a lot of voyeurism going on, him hanging out on the toilet, him just tying that woman up and stuff like that, so I feel like all this sort of... Uh, stimulization just kept driving him crazy. Man, and that really supports my theory that Brian De Palma helped with this. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's a good theory. I like that. Because otherwise, they really don't explain why Judd is super crazy. There's also that scene where after he kills uh, somebody, he goes and checks on his leg, and that's when you find out it's wooden. Yeah. But then he has that powder, yeah. that like, white powder, which it, he eats. Yeah, it's like a, it's a clear white bag. It's not like a, a Ziploc bag or a bag. It's like sealed. He like cuts it open and pours, just fills his hand with white powder and just throws it into his mouth. Like There's no, like, snorting or anything like that. And he just, like... He, and, yeah, he's just... It's so... It, like, is, is it cocaine? I... I in the 70s, did they sell cocaine in giant clear see-through bags? <laughs> if it was cocaine, that seems like also it would kill him to eat that to much just cocaine. eat it? So yeah. eat it. But... I, is the, there's no like that's not how you do cocaine no right? no and there's no and there's no yeah, I, mean, I don't know and really honestly it makes more sense if it's pixie sticks because <laughs> I can't think of like a drug you would take of any kind that you would take in a powdered form that you throw into your mouth <laughs> well, it wasn't too powdered if you're gonna be throwing it in your mouth yeah. maybe he's just eating flour yeah mm. just carving it's up flour powder <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so, uh, eventually, Buck hears all the, all the other screaming that's happening, but he seems to be mostly just annoyed that the country music is really loud. <laughs> so, he, he leaves the bedroom, and Judd is now upstairs, like, I don't know what he's doing with the wife. He's, like, talking to her, and, like, d- dabbing her sweat, but he doesn't really seem to be actually doing anything. I feel like he always dabbed it with, like, underwear. Something, yeah. Something unright. If, if not underwear, then it's, yeah, it was a, dirt, a very dirty rag. Like, the rag he cleaned the porch with, or something. But Buck, Buck, Buck goes outside to the porch, and he hears the screams of the girl, which are coming underneath, and he, of course, goes to the giant hole in the porch that overlooks the bit where the crocodile is, and is leaning down, looking, not moving, not aware of his surroundings, oh, that, for a that, very long time. It's a question confu- mark about his head. Yeah, that confuses the point about whether he is Judd's son because if he was Judd's son wouldn't he know his dad has a giant crocodile in the backyard? More so he brought the crocodile to the dad from Africa. Oh. He explains that in the beginning. So he's the one who gifted Judd originally with the, the crocodile. <laughs> so he's like, is that crocodile crying down there? What's going on? <laughs> but, so, I wish the crocodile had a name. Did it, did it have a name? Rocky. Rocky. Oh. There you go. Rocky. Rocky. Rocky Rockadile. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so, of course, Judd pushes Buck in, in there and he can see him. Of course. Uh, and he, he, it, there's nothing really more to it than that. I don't, I, I, I think... I love my dead son. Is it during that scene you see the big... <laughs> <laughs> is the father of the year? 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Is it during that scene where you see the big pink inside of the crocodile's yeah. yeah. mouth? Yeah. Um, so, okay. Yeah, really the plot of this movie, because we're basically to the end of the movie, but the plot of this movie is literally scene after scene of, like, a person shows up, eventually they die or get restrained in some way. And uh, so the last... And the crocodile gets to eat. So the the last person to show up... It seems like the crocodile would have stopped being hungry. (laughs) Yeah, it's not even that big, as we learn later. (laughs) Especially when it's chasing up the little girl. Like, it's the same size. That's my favorite part. (laughs) 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 But, uh, okay, so the last person to show up, and I think the police, the the sheriff drops her off is uh, Libby, Clara's sister, Harvey's other daughter. She shows up, and... uh, She doesn't hear any of the moaning or screaming or anything. No. She just walks right upstairs. Goes right in, gets checked in, uh, goes to her room, and... (laughs) She has this big white jacket on. The whole movie we watched her, she's wearing this jacket. It's a jacket dress. Jacket dress. But it's the clear thing is like the way she's shot, it's not shot like, it's, a, it's she's just shot like she's just wearing like a normal jacket next to her. Yeah, she's it's, like a, shot, it's like a fitted jacket with a belt. Yeah, she's usually shot from like chest up. It looks just normal. She gets into the room, unbuns the jacket to reveal nothing <laughs> but just like see-through white underwear underneath. No bra, no shirt, no pants, nothing. Just oh, like, yeah. I mean, it's muggy down there in Texas. I That's why she's wearing a long sleeve jacket dress. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But so, yeah, after she does that, she kind of kills some time yeah. <laughs> for like a couple minutes. Yeah, she looks in the mirror a little bit and she folds her dress. And I mean, what else does she do? Not Nothing, much. Right? Just like really. Uh, like she could have like pointless. cupped her breasts and walked around and that would have been just as good. <laughs> it would have been the same, yeah. <laughs> um, but she, she hears she hears one of the two scream. It's either she hears the the wife next door scream or she hears the daughter. But she ends up in the the room of the wife and sees her tied up and frees her. And Judd goes outside. She, sorry. <laughs> she seems like for a second she's not sure if she's gonna untie the wife. Yeah, yeah. She's like, you're screaming. I don't know. I don't know. Am I interrupting something? Yeah, I don't want to. It's just some kinky sex thing. <laughs> I don't want to And then when she does untie her, they don't talk at all. They're like, not like, why are you tied up? Or are you okay? Yeah. They, oh, they just start screaming Yeah, together. they just scream together. Yeah, she's not like, you gotta help my daughter or the hotel owner tied me up or anything like that. <laughs> but Judd is, Judd is, uh, while this is happening, is outside and he's using the scythe uh, he's like reaching off the porch with the scythe to cut open the metal that separates the pond from the underside of the house so that the crocodile can get under the house to eat the little girl. And this is when we see the hilarious shot of the uh, the crocodile being like, what, like four feet long? <laughs> Something being, like that. Being basically like a puppet gopher. Yeah, it, it looked very close to like if you put... A uh, scooter underneath a, <laughs> yeah. a skateboard underneath a fake alligator. Yeah, I love like when there's like one shot where, and immediately also and we have to admit too, as silly as it looks, it's like pretty a pretty great scene it when is. the when the gator's chasing the girl because it's like it happens so fast. It's like the one time where like what is happening under the house actually makes any sense. Right. But the gator, there's like a shot where she's it's like a side shot of the girl. Crawling, she crawls over a piece of wood, and then the gator just like pulls out through the wood. <laughs> its open mouth just like breaks wow. the wood. <laughs> um, but uh, she uh, somehow like she gets like up 
uh, out, like, the cracker goes out of the house, so she gets into where the pit is and is, like, climbing up the fence. The wife and uh, Libby run outside and... Oh, no, but, they try to run down the stairs. Oh, yeah, they try mm. to run down the stairs, and Judd shows up, and he has a scythe, and there's a scuffle... And Libby gets away, and we should mention Libby did put on a, some sort of clothing. This she morning. put her jacket back on. She put her jacket back on. Okay, so she's running around, or maybe it's not a jacket, but it's like a no, white it's, shirt. No, it's her jacket, but she didn't put the belt back on. Okay, that was it. Uh, but um, Libby goes outside and sees the little girl, and as you pointed out, she, little girl is <laughs> clearly held up by a wire. So <laughs> she's climbing the fence to try and go over, and then when she sees her come out. She somehow loses her grip and just comes <laughs> flying backwards, but is also like hanging off the fence, which you could see the wire holding her little tiny body up. And yeah, more of a true <laughs> suspension of disbelief. Yeah, and so Libby. Suspension in general. Nice. Uh, <laughs> so Libby is is trying to help her. Uh, Judd and the wife are fighting. He throws the wife off of the second floor onto the first floor, which doesn't really seem to significantly hurt the wife. It just slows her down for a moment. She's already cut by the yeah. scythe. She got yeah, yeah, she has she has she got scythe. But that mostly just leads to her going like <laughs> like stumbling a lot. It doesn't actually like yeah. kill her or anything. It didn't ruin her outfit at all. No, he did mm-hmm. it was immaculate. Like, yeah. Yeah. Kind of look good. He cut her right below where her nighty starts. Yeah. It looks like if someone if she ever wears short shirts again, people will think the shorts were like cut off of her body <laughs> from, from the placement of the site. Um, cut off for a reason. Nice. Ooh. Nice time stew. <laughs> Alright, so so yeah, uh Judd dies. How does I can't remember how exactly he ends up in the pit. The scythe legged woman. Yeah. She sees that he's like trying to reach for the little girl off the porch. And she comes up behind, stumbling through, and then shoves him into the water. I thought the crocodile came up and put its its jaws around his head and then dragged him She pushes the... him down onto uh, the bank. It's a combined right in front. effort. Yeah. yeah. She pushed him down. Uh, yeah. So she pushed him down to the bank. He turns around. Yeah. And then the croc comes, bites him head first, and drags him into the water. Yeah. And then awesome. dead. And it happens so fast as... Uh, as pointed out by the, the comment cards that we saw on the Blu-ray, it happens way too fast. Every other death is just, like, so lingered on and gets so, there's, like, so much to it. And this guy just, like, bam, head in the mouth under the water. Not even, like, the gratuitous blood in the water or anything. Uh, but, yeah, like, the crack... And then the movie pretty much ends. Yeah, you see, like, the, the leg float up uh, and it freeze frames on the leg in the credits play over that. But the, the crocodile is not arrested by the sheriff. The sheriff does show up at the very end. To Put them all in the car. But yeah, really, the women kind of took care of everything. The sheriff uh, is just there for moral support at that point, and that's, well, yeah. Well, I'm piggybacking off of that. I mean, that goes with what you were saying, Carrie, about how all the women are, like, drawn out, like, the deaths and everything, yeah. and, like, tortured. And... and then they're stuck with the cleanup. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but then the men, like, Buck and Judd and the, and Finley, they all get killed almost immediately. Yeah. Because who cares when men die? Nah. Make it quick. I certainly don't. <laughs> Can't jerk off to that. Yeah, that's not what turns me on. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, uh, and that's the end of Eaten Alive. Yeah, wow. That is literally every plot yeah, point that, that happens. The entire the movie. movie. That's, and, <laughs> and that's why this movie really could be silent, like dialogue wise, <laughs> yeah. and still work. A lot of the dialogue that we did mention, actually, now that I think it doesn't really matter, most of it could be conveyed like, 
like a person pointing and then it cut to <laughs> the sign for the hotel or something like that. Was, like, it, yeah, it very much, it actually would be a worthwhile experiment. I almost wish that you could I, remake like, it. I, or, remake. I, or make or make Dario Argento remake it, but back in the and time travel needs to be involved in some way with this plan. But yeah, it's this movie. There is no real way to take this screenplay and this basic idea and make it like a, a really good movie. Because, but I, I feel like the broad idea of like this creepy hotel in the middle of uh, uh, backwoods Texas with like killer animals and a vet with. Uh, PTSD. These are all really solid elements for a horror movie, and I'm sure. At first, when you said vet, I was like, "He's not a veterinarian." <laughs> they did not take good care of that monkey. No. <laughs> but yeah, there's someone else could do it. But uh, well, I was saying before uh, the movie we were watching, well, before we started recording, Toby Hooper. Uh, if you read up on like IMDb trivia for a couple of his movies. He's been fired from a lot of movies, and usually he films a lot of it, and they're just like, they fire him, based on how he is on set, they fire him before he has finished filming, but after he's finished most of the movie, because they must apparently just be like, we can't do this, we have to have at least one or two scenes that are they shot professionally. They said for this movie, there were a couple scenes that he didn't direct. Do they say which ones? No, yeah. but they said it was because of creative differences. Creative differences, yeah. Well, I think, I can't remember, I, it might have been Life Force, it might have been The Mangler, uh, it's definitely not Texas Chainsaw. Dex Texas Chainsaw is like exactly how it was supposed to turn out, but I believe on Mangler or Life Force, he got fired and from like filming certain scenes toward the end because he was very stoned on set and especially with life force because life force is uh we when you and i saw we saw a 70 millimeter blow-up print wow. so that it has to have been a high budget movie it's yeah. a golden globus movie wow. too. so so they like which space if you vampires. haven't seen life yeah. force yes yeah, patrick stewart's in it what? space vampires <laughs> but like all this stuff it's definitely a high budget movie and you can tell there there were there had to have been a, a couple scenes where they're like we cannot trust this guy who cannot stay sober for a full day to do these like complicated scenes. Uh, and the mangler works fine because the mangler is about a killer laundry folding machine. And so oh, that like so weird, good. that weird stoned quality to it certainly helps. And I think I think there might have been some stuff when they said with Poltergeist where Spielberg directed a couple of the scenes in Poltergeist, but Spielberg wrote Poltergeist. Yeah. So I imagine he was just like on set every day and was like, you yeah, know, I kind of imagine it this way. You know that uh, Steven Spielberg, he initially offered Toby Hooper to direct E.T. Oh and my he was, God. he was like, no, I won't do that. And he was like, all right, well, why don't you direct Poltergeist? And that's why Steven oh. Spielberg directed E.T., Toby Hooper directed. Man, I would kill for Toby Hooper's <laughs> ET. <laughs> oh, yeah. It would have probably had half the budget. Oh, but Don't what, you think? But what would it be like? Because like, there's nothing in that movie that is anything like any other Toby Hooper. Okay, movie. no, I will. I will disagree right. in that. Um, Invaders from Mars okay. would be the one like suburban set setting right. that would kind of reflect that. But I mean, even that is that's. I mean, oh, yeah. well. Is there a friendly alien in it? Or there's no friendly aliens. That's the thing. <laughs> the aliens are They're actually invaders. really awesome. Like the creatures on that are awesome. The animatronics. 
Amazing. That's one of his only movies I haven't seen. Yeah, we gotta get around to that. He also did Night Terrors, which I haven't seen. And, and Toolbox Murders, which is supposed to actually be pretty good. Oh, okay. So there's a couple. We, we gotta see a lot of his stuff. You haven't seen Body Bags, which is, I was telling Ricardo before, it's just a mess, but really entertaining. One of the few movies we get to see John Carpenter act. Oh, uh, wow. He's basically, okay... It, Body Bags is clearly, like, them doing, like, a riff on Tales from the Crypt. Mm. And John Carpenter's character is the Crypt Keeper character. Awesome. And so it's, like, Jagger <laughs> doing that type of role. It's, <laughs> it's worth... It's, it would actually be a perfect Monday uh, Monday movie night uh, nice. movie. It's... it's you don't have to pay that much attention. Tons to laugh at. Lots of campy performances. Mark Hamill. Uh, I think Mark Hamill. Sold. Yeah. Mark <laughs> Hamill gets a serial killer's eyeball, and he's like a baseball player, and so he like is a baseball player who gets taken over by a serial killer. <laughs> Some crazy shit. Does like he that. kill people with baseball bats? I can't remember. Or like throw balls. At I him. remember watching and being like, "Man, of course Toby Hooper fucked up Mark Hamill as <laughs> <laughs> a baseball player. Of course." What's that? movie we watched with Mark Hamill in it at the beginning where he's like a sleepwalker yes sleepwalker <laughs> I, like I, I think we watched it with him it's the one where the mom and dad no it's mom no, and son mom and son they're um cat monsters and they like yes yes yeah. I saw that last time I came over <laughs> yeah. yeah there we go yeah. sleepwalkers the is whole, like, awesome creepy incest uh, <laughs> it's also sleepwalkers is also really terrible but it's like good oh, bad so and Ma- awesome. Manchin Amick is in it and she is awesome oh, well, and so like she really carries it the main male character is Leo from Charmed if you watch <laughs> yeah what's that guy's name Brian um good luck I don't whatever yeah. <laughs> I don't know his name I just know what he looks like. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Look for an uh, upcoming Monster Movie Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah, God, Sleepwalkers. <laughs> yeah, this episode will probably the... come out after. <laughs> <laughs> well, and Sleepwalkers is a, a Stephen King adaptation, right? Yeah. God. Did Toby Hooper do no. Stephen King? Uh, yeah, he did. He did Salem's, Salem's Lot. Salem's Lot. Stephen King? Yeah, we haven't seen Salem's Lot either. That's true. I will not go home to Salem's Lot. Uh, so, yeah. <laughs> We did watch Pet Cemetery though. That's not Toby Hooper. No. No. <laughs> nice try, Carrie. <laughs> so you know how you said this movie has multiple titles? Yes. I found some of them. Ooh. So this movie the title we watched was Eaten Alive, mm-hmm. but it's also known as Death Trap, The Devil's Swamp, Horror Hotel, Starlight Slaughter. And then, what was one of the other ones on the comment cards? Oh, well, the comment cards... Swamp Jaws? The, quam- the comment cards the were... The comment cards? The comment quads. <laughs> the aliens who wrote the comment quads. <laughs> um, they, uh, on the Blu-ray, there's the, uh, the, the test audience comment cards for the movie, which... I, I didn't realize what a gold mine that would be, but please, people who release Blu-rays and DVDs, oh. put that on everyone. Oh my <laughs> god, <laughs> yeah. Because, especially with this movie, this movie is so gross and crazy that most of the comment cards absolutely hated it. Yeah. I've never seen the word rotten written on so <laughs> many so comment many. cards, but um, yeah, someone... Well, and, and the comment cards, it was like, how would you rate the movie? Movie fair, good, excellent, and people just made their own category. Ninety percent of the time, <laughs> rotten <laughs> or like <awful>. poor. <laughs> Is this a movie? Uh, but like a lot of the, the fake names on there were uh, people that said, "What would you call this movie?" And people wrote, "Hotel Psycho," "Hotel 
Pisco. Uh, <laughs> the gaping maw was the pretty good. Yeah. Maw's underwater jaw. Uh, Jaws' brother. Jaws' brother. Um, uh, blood plunge. <laughs> there were some really good ones. Like, oh, there was, and there's one comic card. I wish you could remember some of the specifics, but this guy was clearly a struggling filmmaker or screenwriter or something and just filled his comic card <laughs> top to bottom with the most technical critiques of the movie. Oh, and suggestions that's you. For me, yeah, it's like what I would have written, but it's like suggestions for shots and like when to introduce music and the fact that certain lines of dialogue make no sense and need better context and like things where it's like, holy shit, dude. You, why are you, how did you even hear about this screening? And also, I don't know if you, I, maybe this is just me being horribly sexist, but it seemed like a lot, based on the handwriting, a lot of those comic cards were written by women. And, like, they just had, like, the very, like... I didn't get that vibe. All right, so maybe I'm just being super sexist. I mean, I had, like, I'm the, not a handwriting expert. Well, it just had that very, like... Uh, well, as a matter of fact, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, oh. oh, hello! Hello. I it just surprised me, because it seemed like most of the people who did like it had, like, very pretty handwriting. Which, I don't know, that's just, like, a random, pointless observation. <laughs> but the people who, like, really hated it had, like, just, like, scrawled, like, diagonally or sloppily all over the card and being like, fuck you, movie! And then... Yeah, uh, somebody just wrote depraved <laughs> in the letters all over the comic card. And then what, on the comic card it had name, address, and phone, and someone crossed out the E and wrote a Y, so it said phony. <laughs> Something like that. Uh, comic card fun. Check it out. Uh, did you guys have any other uh, just things from the movie that we didn't get around to mentioning? Do you want to bring up? Hmm. I did. Okay, the only other thing I had that I wanted to mention is when William Finley's having his freak out, he has this thing where he's like, you gouged out my eye. You used my yeah. eye like an ashtray. Yeah. And I could not figure out what that was in reference to or what happened. <laughs> no, and his wife was not upset by no. what he no. was saying. She was like, this is normal. Though this again. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And his eyes were fine. He had two normal working eyes. But right after he said that, that's when he did the weird fist thing. Yeah. 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 He seemed a little possessed. So what about the girl who got away? The oh, yeah, one, Lynette. Yeah. yeah. Lynette, yeah, Lynette basically escapes, as we said, the same way that Marilyn Burns escapes at the end of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which she runs through the woods and then just, like, runs out, flags down a car of some strange person that we have never seen and will never see again, gets in their car. Just driving up. through the yeah. bio. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's it. That's <laughs> it. She gets away. And, uh, what if that's the segue to uh, his first movie? Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Mm. The segue to it? Yeah, what if he was like, I want to pay ode to my first movie. Oh, that's, that's, not, not, that's not a segue. Well, but maybe it's like the the prequel. Maybe. Well, looking back. Well, the prequel ends the same way as the, the, the sequel. Hey, don't pick apart this. <laughs> uh, but she, uh, yeah, she's, she gets away and it's, uh, it maybe, was it like a, I, I don't know, if anything, it seems like a setup to like Eaten Alive 2, Bayou Boogaloo. <laughs> <laughs> there is an Eaten Alive 2. Is it? Yeah. The, who made it? I don't know. All right. Well, maybe the guy who Hobie picked her up. Tuber. <laughs> the guy who picked her up drove her to Motel Hell. That's a prequel to Motel Hell. I'm trying to think of what the opposite of Starlight is. Sunset Hotel. Man, there are so many Sunrise. hotel Sunrise. horror movies from like 
sixties through eighties. It must like after once the hotel industry became a little bit more uh, <laughs> supervised and controlled. It I think like, once they had computers and uh, yeah, once, security cameras. Yeah, once it was like harder for just anybody to have a hotel and you could just get murdered and dumped in a swamp. <laughs> it, uh, they stopped making these, but like. Yeah, even, like, I, I don't know, you technically probably put The Shining even into, like, hotel horror movies, but, yeah, it's, I don't, now that I think about it, you really don't see that happen anymore. Well, what do you call identity? That's a hotel mm. horror movie. It's a... Aren't they in a hotel? <laughs> that, the tagline for identity should be, your mind is the scene of the crime. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> but aren't they in a hotel in that? Oh, and then there's, uh, what is it, Joyride? Again, though, that's not primarily a hotel horror movie because yeah. the hotel is safe. It's the truck, yeah, the the road. What's that hotel horror movie with uh, Luke Wilson? Vacancy. Okay, that would count. Room one, two, three, or one. Oh, two, oh, oh yeah. Fourteen oh one. Yeah, that's fourteen oh eight. Fourteen oh eight. Yeah, yeah. That's with John Cusack. Yeah, that's... again, John Cusack. Yeah, but that movie, doesn't the movie, like, very quickly leave the hotel? Like, they start off in the hotel, but then he, like, has this hallucinatory, like, voyage through... But he's stuck in the hotel room. He is stuck in the hotel room. I don't know. I I guess... I guess it's not... Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's... So, yeah, I guess there are still some examples. It's just not as prominent. And it's not as, like, if it does happen, it's not this type of thing where it's, like, you go to a hotel and you get raped and bound and tortured by a a, a crazy man and there's, like, killer animals and stuff. It's, like, I... I, Could you imagine seeing a hotel movie now where they're, like, oh, by the way, there are killer animals here. Don't worry about that. That couldn't possibly come up later in the movie. (laughs) Well, that was that joke I didn't tell earlier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, you guys, any other things? I don't really have anything else. Uh, I guess when this movie premiered in the UK, it caused a lot of controversy. Wasn't it a video, didn't become a video nasty? Yeah. Yeah. Video nasty. Yeah, video nasty. Which, Which I didn't know about. Yeah, video nasties, it's weird because a lot of the video nasties, uh, when you look them up, they actually, for a... Uh, surprising to me are actually surprisingly horrible like in, in terms of like how gruesome the content like i always think of cannibal holocaust as a video oh nasty gosh, for good yeah. reason but you guys like, saw that together yeah, yeah. yeah. we'll always have that <laughs> yeah. <Bonded laughs> Bonded Bonded uh, but yeah video video nasties are like that makes sense that can- hannibal or cannibal holocaust hannibal holocaust <laughs> <laughs> But what else was a video nasty? Pretty sure Pieces was. Oh, okay. Um, seems like probably some Argento movies and like Lucio Fulci movies. Okay. Definitely Lucio Fulci because all of his stuff is just so so gruesome. <laughs> like there's a there's a Lucio Fulci movie where there's a scene where a woman vomits up her organs, and so the way they did the scene was they had the actress swallow a bunch of sheep intestines and then oh. throw them up for real. Like, that's the type of wow. thing that Lucio Fulci oh, movies have. Wow. Yeah. Man, that's a brave actress, I guess. Oh, and Lucio yeah. and Lucio Fulci's zombie has the famous eye ice scene, which is <laughs> just, just so it's so slow and drawn <laughs> like out. really like genuinely well made, but mm-hmm. makes it so much worse that it's well made. <laughs> yeah, every time I show that, there's no like. 
non-reaction in that scene. Yeah. It's impossible. It's like one of those things where it's like, I every once in a while, I'll just like open up a clip on YouTube of it and start like the very beginning. And once I see like the, just the shot of the piece of wood, I'm like, oh, I, got nope, it. I, nope. I still remember. <laughs> it's, still, it's still burning me. Yeah, I'm glad I haven't seen yeah, it. Yeah, I'm not going to make you watch it. The only thing zombie. that you would it would be worth you watching zombie or maybe it's zombie 2 where it happens is the scene where the zombie gets into a fist fight with a shark. That's the same movie, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's pretty zombie great. Zombie and zombie 2 are the same movie. Okay. Yeah. I think he didn't get the rights or something like that, and that's why I came out with zombie 2. That, okay, that's it, yeah. It's supposed to be, wasn't it supposed to be like a sequel to Dawn of the Dead? Yes. Yeah. It was the unofficial sequel. Which makes no sense. <laughs> uh, Alright, well then if we don't have anything else to say, I guess we can get into our teachable moments. Mm. Uh, uh, you have one I was up? thinking about this during the movie. I don't I don't know what I would teach someone about this movie. Well, I'll start with mine, because it should give you an idea. Again, you, you gotta remember it doesn't have to be positive. This is plenty of negatives that you can teach with this movie. I know. My negative that I'm gonna teach is that uh, right now, I am working on a horror screenplay, and so I'm like very, I'm very much like thinking about like what is effective. When I watch a movie like Eaten Alive, I'm trying to think about what makes me react to uh, things in the way that I want people to react. And watching this, I like it's really gross, and you, I do feel like revulsion while watching it, but. I don't feel scared. There's no scary moments. Yeah. If anything, the moments that sh should be scary in a better movie play is just kind of awesome here. Like we talk about William Finley getting dragged away by the crocodile, but it's never scary. And that's because they don't bother actually doing any suspense. Uh, there's no buildup. There's no moment where you're like, the, the, I guess with, like, with suspense, the key thing is the element of surprise. The thing where you're like, I something bad is going to happen, but what is that bad thing? Or when is it going to happen? Or is actually everything okay? Like, There's never that ambiguity here. Everything is clearly bad and hellish, and the people are clearly going to get fed to the crocodile, <laughs> and they're clearly going to get attacked by Jun. And there's no other thing... Uh, beyond that and like every person shows up you're like all right they're a body they're a dead body they're a dead body like and I, it, it really underlines like most of the bad horror movies that come out now have the same problem but even like if you think about things like paranormal activity which you don't really consider as like a great horror movie but even those movies bother to have suspense of some like, low, lower-tier kind that's still there. <laughs> and the movies that you think of as the best are things like The Shining or even, like, because like, it gets referenced so much in the comic cards, Psycho, where there's, like, genuine build-up and... Psycho has a, a woman get attacked in a bathtub, but she oh, yeah. it, they, they put the camera in the bathtub with her, so you have that moment where you see all of a sudden a silhouette appear in the room, and you're like, no one should be in the bathroom with her. What's going on? Whereas this one, you like follow Judd into the bathroom, <laughs> so it like weirdly puts you with his point of view and other people's point of view, and so you kind of have like a weird God's eye point of view <laughs> over everything, and you can't identify with it, so you're not afraid and they don't try to surprise you so you're not afraid so yeah if you're watch this movie watch it and just understand how much this movie is crippled by its lack of suspense that's what i would say is my teachable moment that's pretty good i while you're talking about that i kept thinking about last night with ghost of the machine now that movie had more suspense. Yeah, it did. We're, uh, we're like, oh man, is this? When's this guy gonna get hit by this car? Oh man, is he gonna die in the car accident? How did 
Oh, yeah. yeah. Shouldn't have dried his hands. You never dry your hands. Nope. Um, oh, my I, God. I totally forgot about that. Oh. I thought it was effective in its use of voyeurism. I thought, um, you know, you watch the scenes, like, someone getting tied up, you're, you know, and you're helpless to do anything about it, and this woman on the toilet, even, and with all the shit-stained seats, um, and the man outside, like, there's definitely the stalkingness. There's this, like, we're watching unwittingly. Um, of what's going on. Yes, there's a lack of suspense, but, um, but yeah, I feel like in regards to the voyeurism, I think he captures that sort of like secondhand creepiness of it all. Yeah. Um, and that's my only positive walkway. Uh, other than that, I mean, I feel like if you're a filmmaker, if you're going to bring as much color as this guy put into the film, you should have at least the direction for it. Like there's a lot of cool colors, but at the same time, I don't really think it's symbolized. At least I didn't pick up on the symbolism yeah. because it was so oversaturated. There's one scene when um, the one woman gets away. I totally forget her name again. What? Uh, yeah, yeah, there's it's all blue when she's being chased yeah. through the swamp, and oh, I'm yeah. like, okay, maybe there's something here. I'm really struggling for it. Um, and also the use of music I thought was really, really good, but it was, it was a drop in the bucket compared to how little else contributed to the overall tension of the movie. Like there was definitely a lot of tense scenes based on the, the music and very cool original scores, but, um, yeah. but yeah, if you have nothing to follow up on, I feel like it's just kind of a gimmick. Yeah, yeah. Great. I do think, yeah, you're right about the voyeurism because you do feel icky watching this uh, movie. Yeah. It doesn't try to... I, I, I would love Brian De Palma movies, but Brian De Palma movies very much try to make voyeurism exciting a little mm. bit, where, like, you... you Even with something, like, that's... Like, doesn't have it as overt, but, like, carry, when you're watching, like, the scene where you know the blood is gonna fall on her, and you're watching this, like, plan being orchestrated around her, and you're just like, oh, man, this... Something bad is gonna happen, and I know about it, and I can't help it. It kind of is, like, more, like overwhelming whereas in this it's just like oh this is horrific mm -hmm. and I, like what i'm witnessing is like it feels like you've stumbled upon <laughs> this stuff so yeah that does come through i you gotta give him credit for that yeah the voyeurism is is there and it, it is that is probably the thing that makes it so revolting right. <laughs> at times oh go ahead I'm no just that that's it that's yeah no, I was going to say, even in the opening scene where it's like this zoom up of Buck's belt. Yeah. And he's like slowly oh, yeah. undoing it and he says, you know, I'm Buck and I'm rearing to fuck. Yeah. Like that immediately puts you in the mood of like, oh, do I really want to be here <laughs> right now? Yeah, it's like this a minute into in the, the movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I guess for my teacher moment, I'm going to do, I'll do something a little broader, but one of the things that I learned from attending ricardo's monster movie mondays is you know we pretty much watched anything and everything that had a monster in it <laughs> and i apologize for and, well, and, then, and that I'm was one thing that up. i think we learned is like we watched a lot of really bad movies we watched a lot of bad movies that were fun to watch but we watched a lot of really good movies too and this movie i would not say that this movie is a bad movie we i mean every time we've watched it i haven't been like this movie sucks. I hate watching it. It's boring. This movie, yeah, this movie's not boring. It's just it kind of goes back to what you were saying. It's kind of gives you this bad aftertaste while you watch it, where you're like, ugh, I don't know if I how I feel about this, or uh, this seems bad, or <laughs> like should I be watching this? Um, but that's kind of one of the things I like about exploring the 
the sub-horror genres of film is there's all these weird things that I would never expect to have been made that were that were mass-produced yeah. in the <laughs> 70s and 80s. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, don't be afraid to explore the deep realms of horror filmmaking because uh, it pays off a lot. Yeah, well, well, piggybacking off of that too, yeah, there's a big difference between like a movie that is a bad movie and a movie that fails at what it is set out to do. And this movie comes closer to failing than being just flat out bad. Yeah. And I, and I wanted to talk about it because, yeah, I like keep watching it because it fails in a way where I'm, I just want to figure out more about what they were trying to do. Yeah. And that's... That, like, they, only someone who is talented, and Toby Hooper is definitely talented if it, it, he gets in his own way, and this is proof of it. Like, in, in what we said, too, about The Mangler, and, I, like... Yeah, The Mangler is really interesting, too, the because Mangler, it, it's, it's not fully successful either. No, and it shouldn't be good at all. It's a horror movie about a clothes folding machine. <laughs> and it, like, but it's, like, a cult that follows the clothes folding machine. Yeah, and it's, it's really, just really interesting and i remember watching the fun house with you and oh, i've only seen yeah. it the one time but there's that amazing scene in the end where the woman is in the gear room of the ride and there's just gears everywhere and it's this moment where she's like being stalked and so it is like a genuine moment of suspense where you just are like where's the killer going to come from and you just hear like gear after gear turning and turning it's just this cacophony that gets louder and louder and then so when he finally shows up it is then this like long build toby hooper is really talented and i think this is just so early in his career where they're like, you did Texas Chainsaw Massacre, which is like, it is revolting, but it's also a beautiful movie. Like, it looks amazing, and it's really accomplished, and it's super effective, and it's that thing where they're like, oh, you did one good movie, so anything we throw at you, you will be a success at. And he's like, well, I'm not a success in everything. Don't, don't get carried away. So yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with that. Yeah, it's worth seeing. You should, uh, if... After listening to this episode, if you still think you'd want to watch it, then yeah, you probably should watch it. If you were disgusted by our descriptions of it, you will, you will not be the audience for this movie. Heed our warnings. Yes. But yeah, Amen. I, I think that's it. Ricardo, do you have anything you want to promote real quick? Well, I just want to say thank you again for allowing me to do the intros to this. Oh, and thank you. Yeah, awesome. Forward to continue whatever, you know, getting you music and... Um, I'm really bad at pushing my own things, but uh, BlackNoteGraffiti.com is one. And then uh, King on the Mountain is another band that I'm in if you are into heavy music. Yeah, um, and if you see them playing anywhere near you, check them out. Why not? It's, yeah, it's going to be a good show. At very, at very yeah. least, you'll have a good time. <laughs> we'll, put, we'll, we'll put some links on the website. Yeah. And show your love by you know subscribing to this podcast. Yes. Yeah! Like, something we have never made a point to say in any <laughs> Thank you. Subscribe to this podcast. Check us out. All right. Well, this has been The Secret Cinema. I'm Paolo. I'm Carrie. Thanks, Ricardo. And I'm Ricardo. <laughs> See you around, guys. Thanks for listening. Secret Cinema is produced and edited by Paolo Corot. All theme songs were performed and recorded by Ricardo Ortiz. Any additional music or samples come from the film covered on this week's episode. All logos and artwork are created by Carrie Chafer. You can follow Carrie on Instagram at CarrieSawThis and see more of her artwork at www.carriechafee.com. 
You can watch Paolo's short films at vimeo.com slash or read more of his ramblings about film at letterbox.com slash The Secret Cinema is a commentary and criticism podcast, and its use of film dialogue and film music for illustrative purposes falls under the fair use provisions of the U.S. copyright law. Thanks again for listening. Cinema is a production of Larry Lafey Productions. All rights reserved. Name's Buck. I'm raring to fuck.